All right, peace everyone. I would like to welcome you to another episode of the Foundation here on High Frequency Radio Network. I am your host, Sot L. And it, as always, it is a pleasure. This is the Foundation right here, and we are High Frequency Radio Network. Today's episode is entitled simply The Big Picture. So, we're going to get it in, excuse me, but obviously you can tell um, we're doing a different format, so, you know, this show is pre-recorded, but it was recorded today, it was, you know, as if, you know, I did the show early, even though it's going to drop at the same time it would had the show been live, hopefully that makes sense. You know, but just want to get started. You know, here at the foundation, we understand incorrect information incorrectly applied can get you hurt. Correct information incorrectly applied can get you hurt. So, as always, we apply that correct information correctly here at the foundation. I want to start off by saying all thanks, honors, and praises due to the creator and ancestors. Next up, I want to say big up and shout out to, you know, my big brother, my 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 spiritual big brother, Yusuf L. I always call him the uncle of the conscious community, you know, high frequency radio network creator, you know, extraordinaire. You know, I can't say enough about the brother, seriously. Make sure you check out spcuniversity.com if you're looking to do your dance with the secured party creditor process get all that stuff taken care of make sure you know you check out spcuniversity.com i also invite you to check out welcome to the foundation.com make sure you sign up for that email list for that exclusive content exclusive offers and exclusive notifications with regards to events speaking of events this saturday real quick and we'll talk about it later Chris L is, you know, he's gonna he's gonna do it again. That's just, that's all I'm gonna say. Uh, Passport no social three. It's gonna be a live recording. It's gonna be a Zoom meeting. You can get access to it live. You'll be able to talk to him live, asking questions. If you have one and two, maybe you have a question on one or two. But, you know, he's going to be live. So you want to, if you want to check it out, make sure you check out the website, welcometothefoundation.com. We're going to put a link up there for you to sign up so you can catch that live recording. And this is going to be Saturday, April 9th, 2022. So just a couple days here at 11, 11 a.m. Central. Once again, Saturday, Saturday, excuse me, April 9th. 2022 at 11:11 Anti Meridian Central Standard Time Zone. I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be an extravaganza, of course. You know what it is. So, you know, <clears throat> more of that will be sent out to the email subscribers. So, I, hey, I suggest you sign up for the email list at welcome to the foundation.com. Also, check out that PDF section. Just grab and go. Free stuff. Just read it. 
and you it will open your mind. It's, hey, it's really just the stuff I saw people charging for. You know, not all of it, but, you know, a lot of it. So just grab it. It's free. You can check out the education section. If you are interested, you can get the Foundation Trust Primer, which is specifically over 18 hand-picked documents. If, if you're new to this private entity administration, private trust administration, this, you know, <clears throat> moving into the private and all these different phrases and terminology used, Brand new to it, you don't understand what's going on, I would suggest that's where you start. That's where I would have started. That's that Foundation Trust Primer. You got the Foundation Trust Series, Part 1, Part 2, and Part 3. At WelcomeToTheFoundation.com. And that's really, you know, I pretty much start from scratch. It's a PowerPoint presentation. There's Black's Law Dictionary definitions, Supreme Court citations, some animations. I don't know. Some people are, you know, visual learners. Some people are more... Audio learners. Some people are hands-on learners. You know, I'm, I'm trying to make it work for everybody. So, you know, part one, what is, what's the entity? What's specific about it? What separates it or makes it distinctly different from any other trust or, you know, entity of that nature? And the different stink, distinctions, part two is more how to maneuver in commerce with it. Part three is more, what would I call it? Advanced, probably financial potentials. How about that? That, you know, some of these things that you can only take advantage of with, you know, a trust or some sort of charity, whether it be public or private. So that's, you know, the Foundation Trust Series. Also, Passport, No Social, Part One, Part Two. We got Part Three coming. It's coming. You should be looking forward to that, John, you know what I mean? And um, all that's available at WelcomeToTheFoundation.com. In the education section, you can find the Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. You can make a donation. You can book a consultation, all from the same spot. And that's WelcomeToTheFoundation.com. Period. Peace to all the listeners, live listeners, ain't no live listeners. But peace to the live listeners anyways. You know, peace to the, you know, internet listeners, archive listeners, just, you know, podcasts, however you're checking out the show. You know, if you went to the blog talk or you got it off of iTunes or, you know, I mean, there's so many, everybody, every time I say something, people will hit me up, well, I got the show from this. I'm like, man, I ain't never heard of that. Thank you. I write it down, then I forget. But I'll be checking out the show. Definitely want to say peace to you. Also, peace to all of the trustees and private trustee training here at the foundation and all those investing in their private education outside of the foundation. Salute, salute. Either way, you're doing your dance. And lastly, or finally, peace to everyone that we here at the foundation have done business with in the private. Anyone that, you know, sent an email, well wishes, a current event, or otherwise added to the foundation. Definitely want to say, <clears throat> excuse me, peace to you. I think this is kind of, you know, it's a little bit more intimate, right? There's no music. Um, it's just, it's, it's you and I. It's just us right here. And, you know, I don't know. Y'all tell me what y'all think about this new format. I'm just trying this out. You know, hey, you know, why not? Let, let, let's see if it works. 
But, you know, as I said, today's episode is called The Big Picture. I, you know, I just want to break down that what what is going on. And, you know, I'm not going to get ridiculously in-depth with regards to how I go into this. Um, I just want to be able to really, my point is, is to create an episode of the foundation that has the ability for you, you know, if you, if you want to kind of explain the big picture to someone, what are you doing? Why are you into this information? What's, what's going on with you, man? Why don't you just be normal like everyone else? And just go to work and just take care of your family and stuff. Or, you know, whatever you... Go to school, man. I want this to be a show where you you know, you know could just be like, hey, listen to this. You know, he, he's going to talk about some current events. And, you know, sometimes he goes on, on tangents. So he will digress. But listen to this because this is the episode that he did called The Big Picture. And he said that this episode is for people like you. So this is the episode. I, this is this is what I'm trying to do right here. This is the this is the effort that I'm making. I'm not trying anything. I'm making actual effort in a valiant attempt to create this show in the structure of the vision that I have in my mind. So you know, we'll see how it goes. Let's jump. In, let's jump into these current events, though. <clears throat> Excuse me. So we're going to jump into Reuters, man, and it's going down. You know it's going down, and y'all know that I don't really like to get political. So I'm not going to steer into any of the politics. Let's stick to the markets. Let's stick to what's going on. How does this affect you every day? Reuters.com stocks hold declines as the dollar gains after release of the Fed minutes. So stock indices held losses. After the Federal Reserve released minutes from its last meeting showing details of the central bank's balance sheet runoff, while the U.S. dollar index hit its highest since last May. Quote, people are reading it and realizing it's not really a change in stance. Yesterday's news was much more material to investors and their psyche than the release of the minutes. I don't think there's anything material that would garner a change in sentiment, end quote. This is Alan Lance, president of Alan B. Lance and Associates in Toledo, Ohio. He's speaking on how Wall Street stocks briefly paired losses, then returned to where they were before the minutes. On Tuesday, the Fed governor said she expected a combination of interest rates hikes, and a rapid balance sheet runoff to take U.S. monetary policy to a, quote, more neutral position, end quote, later this year. And that's what they're talking about. What does that really mean? They're saying they're basically going to stop buying up securities. And they're not going to renew purchases or contracts anymore. They're going to let these things fall off the balance sheet. Well, what that's going to have the what type of effect moreover it that's going to have to the economy we i guess we're just going to have to wait and see i don't think it's going to be too good i think the markets are used to what the fed has been doing for so long and i think you know there's going to be some issues i i i see that there already are but i think you know what's happening 
with um, Russia and Ukraine is a great backdrop as far as, hey, you know, oh, you see what's happening over here? It's affecting the whole world. You know, that's why this is happening, not because of what we're doing. But moving forward, April... April 6th, this is Reuters, Federal Reserve officials in March, quote, generally, generally agreed, end quote, to cut up to $95 billion a month from the central bank's asset holdings as another tool in the fight against surging inflation. Check it out. Even as the war in Ukraine tempered the first U.S. interest rate increase. So according to them, had it not been for what's going on over there, there, there would have been a larger increase in the in the in the rate. Minutes of the Fed's March the 15th, I'm sorry, March 15th to 16th meeting showed policymakers rally, rallying around plans to cut the central bank's massive balance sheet as soon as next month with reductions of up to $60 billion per month in its holdings treasury bonds and $35 billion in its stash of mortgage-backed securities with the amounts phased in over three months. Or slightly longer. And we're, you know, hey, I, you know, just listen. Pay attention. Pay attention to what happens over that timeline moving forward. I don't remember where I got this from. This is off of Reuters, but they were trying to get me to sign up or pay something or whatever. But U.S. private employers maintained a brisk pace of hiring in March. In a boost to the labor market recovery, but growth in corporate profits slowed significantly in the fourth quarter amid increasing costs. This is U.S. private payrolls rise strongly, higher costs eat into corporate profits. And, you know, what do you think is going to happen with that? You're going to see some increases in goods and services overall in their prices? That's, I mean, you know, I don't, I don't really see with the condition of what's going on in the lack of available labor that, you know, the market is in at this moment is going to allow or be able to withstand, you know, a decrease in pay. So I think this, you know, this, these increased costs for corporations that provide businesses, I'm sorry, that provide goods and services to businesses and families and individuals is going to precipitate an increase in prices of overall goods and services, which is going to add to this inflation. Surging interest rates push mortgage demand down more than 40% from a year ago. This is CNBC. The average contract interest rate for 30-year fixed-rate mortgages with conforming loan balances, which is $647,200 or less, increased to 49, I'm sorry, increased to 4.9% from 4.8% for loans with a 20% down payment. That's with a 20% down payment. Think about it. Applications to refinance a home loan, which have been falling steadily for months, dropped another 10% week to week. Mortgage mortgage applications to purchase a home fell 3% for the week and were 9% lower than the same week one year ago. And this is what happens when, when you have a combination of inflation in 
the goods and services sectors. And you have, at the same time, overall interest rates increasing. It reduces the ability for people to purchase things, goods and services. And I I would include a home in the category of a good because, I mean, you know, hey, ultimately it's a commodity when it comes to market terms. Yahoo Finance by way of Reuters, Spain's March flash CPI rises to 9.8% year over year. It's the fastest since 1985. And that just goes to show this this is a it's a worldwide thing that's happening with inflation, with these currency markets. This is worldwide. Why? Because the entire economic system is interwoven and connected. The SWIFT, the American SWIFT payment system is pretty much in every country. And that is when you hear sanctions and do sanctions, they, you know, reduce or completely disable countries access to swift payment systems that's apple pay that's google pay that's mastercard it's visa it's american express it's all these different ways of accepting payments sending payments and making payments that are disallowed and you know it it has problems i'm gonna move forward Yahoo Finance by by way of Reuters Euro zone facing slower growth, higher inflation, says the European Central Bank's Lagarde. Europe is facing slower growth and higher inflation as the war is draining confidence and pushing up energy prices, European Central Bank President Christine Lagarde said, quote, we will face in the short term, in the short term, excuse me, higher inflation and slower growth. The longer the war lasts, the higher the economic costs will be and the greater the likelihood we end up in more adverse scenarios, end quote. Lagarde said that households are already becoming pessimistic and cutting back on growth, while business investment is also likely to take a hit. You're going to see contraction or a constriction in the, cur- the flows of currency. Why? Because people are say hey, it's too expensive, it's, it's, it's not safe, there's too many, you know, factors that are in play that do not allow me to, you know, make this purchase, uh, acquire this service. The, the cost of the service is so much that now I've decided that, I, you know, if it costs that much, I don't need it. And that's what we're going to see. UK retailers raise prices most by most in nearly 11 years. This is that inflation we're talking about. CNBC House passes Secure Act 2.0. This has to do with retirement savings. The House representatives representatives has passed a bill that will improve the retirement savings system for U.S. workers, moving it closer to becoming law. The Securing a Strong Retirement Act, H.R. 2954, also called the Secure Act 2.0, was approved with bipartisan vote of 415 to 5, now the legislation heads of the Senate, quote, H.R. 2954 will help all Americans successfully save for a secure retirement by expanding coverage and increasing retirement savings, simplifying the current retirement system and protecting Americans and their retirement accounts. 
end quote, said the House Ways and Means Committee Chairman Richard Neal, who also went on to say, quote, too many workers reach retirement age without having the savings they need, end quote. So what, what happens? What's going on? Why am I talking about this? The requirement, check this out, it would require employers to automatically enroll eligible workers into 401k plans at a rate of 3% of salary. There's a requirement. They will make you, they will take your money and put it in a 401k plan in your name uh, with the company as a custodian or however it works. I don't know how it's set up. And that money that's yours will be invested in the stock market. Meanwhile, the stock market is down. And people say, hey, well, overall, you know, if you leave your money in the stock market over time, you know, you'll make your money back for, for the corrections and the crashes. A lot of people don't have all that time. It's a very general statement or accusation. This would increase annually from 3% until the employee is contributing 10% of their pay. Employees could opt out or select a different con contribution amount. Businesses with 10 or fewer employees or are less than 3 years old would be excluded from the mandate. The plan would also make changes to how much savers can contribute if they're near retirement and when retirees need to pull money from their accounts. Individuals 62, 63, and 64 would make catch-up contributions of $10,000 from, from $6,500. It would also increase the starting age for required minimum distributions to 73 in 2022, 74 in 2029, 75 in 2032, which is up from the current age of 72. So not only do you have to... Contribute, and of course they say you can opt out, but I mean, most people aren't even going to know that's a possibility or how to do that, you know, let alone want to do that and maybe try to rock the boat or make it look like they're not for the corporation or, you know, these things, these things are weird. But the age at which you will be, I guess, technically, I will say technically required. To take distributions will be raised over time. So I, I, I trust, not really, but I trust that that means that there's some sort of statistic or some sort of study based upon, you know, scientific analysis and controlled tests that, you know, the lifespan of the average American is increasing and, in, you know, these these numbers reflect that. Otherwise, this doesn't. I don't know. Maybe I'm I'm just looking at it from a jaded perspective. But that's wild. So now you know you can opt out, and you know this passes. I suggest you do. Moving forward, Reuters: U.S. dollar hits highest in nearly two years. Unexpected rate increases. Interesting, huh? Expectations: the dollar surged to 
a nearly two-year high after minutes of the last Federal Reserve meeting reinforced expectations of multiple half-percentage-point rate increases to control soaring inflation. Uh-huh. How are they going to control inflation? Well, you know, I don't know if you're familiar with supply and demand uh, mechanics. So if the supply is high, the demand is low. And if the demand is high, typically the supply is low. They, you know, these correlate inversely. So if there's no demand for these goods and services because the prices are too high, if there's no demand for mortgages because the interest rates are too high, then the logic is, is that the, the prices will go down. And, you know, it, it, it worked. I think Volcker did it. Fed, Fed president, you know, in the 70s or something. So, you know, ideally, it, it works. But, it, you know, it's quite painful. Meanwhile, CNBC gold inches up as inflation jitters offset U.S. rate hike bets. You typically, gold and the U.S. dollar um, correlate inversely as well. You know, if, if, if the dollar is increasing in value, typically gold is, is reducing or decreasing in value. And vice versa. When you see gold increasing in value, you typically see the dollar decreasing in value. Now, you, it don't matter now. You know, gold prices seesawed in a narrow range with concerns over high inflation and mounting sanctions buoying prices, although gains were curbed by expectations of an aggressive interest rate hike by the U.S. Federal Reserve. Quote, inflation fears and the inflation data we've been seeing is what's keeping gold up. End quote. This is RJO Futures Senior Market Strategist Bob Haberkin. Habercorn. Habercorn. One of those hopefully works. Gold should remain strong despite the Fed rate raising rates. But if the Fed goes a half a basis point, gold could fall towards the $1,900 level. Haberkin added, Habercorn. <laughs> I just need to hear him say, I need someone to say it one time correctly, and I, and I got it. <laughs> Rising U.S. interest rates and higher yields increase the opportunity cost of holding bullion, which is also used as a hedge against rising inflation. And, you know, hey, I agree with that. It definitely is. It's, it's insurance for your paper money. What we got? Reuters sanctioned Russian bank VTB sees strong demand for gold bars. Correlation, possibly Russia's second largest lender, VTB, hit the Western sanctions, I'm sorry, hit by Western sanctions, has sold one ton of gold to customers this month and expects demand to increase, the state-controlled bank said. Russia scrapped 20% value-added tax on gold buying for individuals on March 1st as people rushed to park their savings when the ruble sank to record lows. Currency has been hit by sweeping Western sanctions. And as such, savers needed a place to go. Purchases of precious metals by Russian households should also reduce the amount of cash flooding the economy. Analysts 
have said. And, you know, I'm sure this has something to do with it, but also people are, you know, people are freaked out. People are freaked out. We got here. New York Attorney General asks banks to end overdraft fees. What do you think about that? By way of Reuters, New York Attorney General Letitia James asked J.P. Morgan Chase, Bank of America, U.S. Bank, Wells Fargo, all to end all consumer overdraft fees by the summer. In letters sent to the chief executives of four of the biggest U.S. consumer banks, James said the majority of overdraft fees are levied on, quote, the most vulnerable consumers with the lowest average account balances, end quote. James's letters come as banks are facing increased scrutiny from federal regulators and lawmakers for charging overdraft and other fees on consumers. The U.S. Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, the federal consumer watchdog, launched a campaign earlier this year to address what it calls, quote, junk fees, end quote, a catch-all for overdraft, credit card late payment fees, mortgage closing costs, and other charges. The banking industry earned $17 billion in overdraft fee revenue in 2019, according to a report commissioned by the industry group, the Consumer Bankers Association. Wow, man. Hand over fist. CNBC. And this is a, this is amazing. This is wonderful. I have to say, I have to, wow, it's a lifelong experience. Governors say financial education should extend beyond school years. Pursuing financial literacy is something that should continue beyond traditional school years, according to several state governors. Quote, we think it's a lifelong experience. End quote. This is New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy. Governor Steve Sisolak of Nevada agrees about the importance of financial literacy as well. Quote, it's a skill that's necessary for your entire life. We have to approach it more long term in that regard. End quote. And that's beautiful. And, you know, I think that would be great. Getting more. Wait. Beginning, (laughs) should I say, to include financial literacy and, you know, these types of things in school. I think it's important. I don't remember a class where it even taught me how to balance a checkbook. But, hey, that that was a happy one. And, uh, you know, that's it for current events. Let's just stop it right there. So, appreciate you, you know, hanging in for the, for the current events. So, this is the foundation. We're, we're trying out, we're piloting a new format. Hopefully, it's, it's a little more, you know, personal. That's what we're going for. But today's episode is entitled The Big Picture. So, here's what I want to do. I want to paint you a picture. I want to paint you a picture of... And it's hard to think of. But a time... When... Family businesses... Were... Not only normal, but... I would consider necessary. How else is the family generating income? You know? So... And this time has been hijacked, but look, let me, let me not, okay. So there would be certain families that would be specialized in certain things, right? You see it today, I would say predominantly in business, you know, uh, 
Trump, Trump Towers, that's a family name, but even though it's synonymous with one individual, typically, still a family name or a family brand, even though it's a media brand or a real estate brand or something like that, they're known for what they do. Louis Vuitton, certain brands are family brands, but they're also public companies. Now, this is a, currently what we deal with is a hyper-developed, I would say, scenario of what I'm describing with specialized family businesses. So, you know, there was shoemakers. There was a family in the, in the town that would make shoes. And, you know, it wasn't necessary to have another shoemaker family in the town because there was already a shoemaker family there. There was a butcher, there was bakers, you know, so on and so forth. You kind of get the idea, I hope. But these businesses were run by families. And, you would, you know, the children would work, the adults would work, the family would work. But the benefits to the state specifically or the city or the municipality, but let's specifically talk about the state, were minimal in those types of situations. Typically, families had trusts. They did business through a trust. The family didn't pay state taxes because the state didn't create the trust. So the family pooled their labor together. And it was really unnecessary to receive anything from the state. Now, the family typically would teach the younger children in the family the family business. And, of course, you had individuals in the family that would go to a different field and, you know, maybe want to go off on their own, and that happened. But predominantly, people would stay and, you know, in situations that I've seen, still do stay in the family business. Why? Because they see value, not only in the legacy of the family, but also in the value in the wealth of the family and what it can accomplish them and what they can, you know, help accomplish for the family. These principles do not benefit states or corporations, all right? Big picture. These principles only benefit private families. Commerce, ultimately, was predominantly private. Gold and silver were money. People mine gold. You don't need, I don't need the state or the government to give me gold or silver. Now, the government would coin gold and silver, of course, and they still do. And the purity and weight of those coins were backed by the government, ultimately. But, you know, and really how you got those coins was they charge you a little bit over the amount of gold to get them. But they're recognized and so on and so forth. So really, that's how ultimately, in my opinion, the government got, got into you know money. But 
families ultimately ran their own businesses and they ran them privately. You know, a family could easily, you know, hey, barter and say, hey, you know, you know, we'll we'll uh we'll offer you these goods or these services, you know, we'll give your family an entire pair, two pairs each. One pair of boots and one pair of nice shoes, you know, if you put in our bathroom or, you know, do our driveway or something. These types of things were very powerful. You know, wealth isn't just, you know, gold and silver, ultimately currency itself. Dollar bills represent energy, a store of energy, a, uh, a store of wealth. So these these types of commercial transactions, these private transactions, do not, do not benefit the state, they do not benefit corporations. Now, those who want to expand beyond their family businesses, who want to acquire larger amounts of, of wealth, must acquire control over larger amounts of energy or labor. In this instance, and now we get into the division of labor and how corporations kind of have, and the state kind of have, well not kind of, they have almost completely broken that family style of business, that private family style of business. There were laws passed, and I'm not saying they're bad because they needed to be passed, but in certain for to protect certain people but you know there's certain laws that you know um there's child labor laws so you know if you want to have your child work for your family business and that that business is a statutory business if it's an llc or some sort of corporation you might run into some sort of child labor laws which reduced in a lot of situations the time that allowed that child to gain experience in the family business. But ultimately, when we get into the division of labor, now the division of labor ultimately is the specialization of one, one thing or a number of things um, with regard to the production of a product. You know, typically the family bootmakers Let's say they're making shoes, you know, maybe the father does leather and, you know, the child does the sole and some of the stitching on the sole. But often each member is being taught how to create the entire product. Whereas when you get into corporations and you, they work off the division of labor because it is more economical for them. Now, a family can only produce a certain amount of goods and services because they're limited by the family members or the members that are available to labor for them. Now, in order to go outside of that, we get into some sort of corporate structure or you can do it in a private structure. But you get into some sort of corporate structure and they specialize, like I said, they're specialized positions and functions within the uh, what's the word I'm looking for the overall production line of the product 
So where, you know, each family member could sit there and, you know, with the proper measurements, uh, create the products. One create a left, one create a right, one create a left, one create a right. And by the end of the day, they've made, you know, maybe four or five pairs. Whereas a corporation can pump out by dividing labor properly, they can pump out 100 Possibly, you know, similar quality pairs or more by dividing labor properly. And like I said, each person gets a specialized thing. One person does the stitching, one person does the sole, one person does the leather overlay, one person. And in that way, the corporation is able to push out more products, able to also able to provide more services. Now... Ultimately, what I put together is, and I'm not going to get into it, but, you know, the state creates, uh, created through heavily endowed, heavy endowments from wealthy families, public school system. The public school system educates or specifically teaches the fundamentals needed for the products of the school system to now go and fill positions in the state-created corporations. Now, that's much more financially beneficial to the state and corporations and less financially beneficial to the private family. Hopefully, that just, that just you know, did something to you. Because it did something to me when I put that together. Um, it did take a lot of reading and it took a lot of study but it it really made me feel a certain way when I put all that together it was it was a school system that was put together by these states that was heavily endowed by the Rockefeller and Carnegie families to basically fill positions in their corporations because they want to amass wealth outside of the ability of the labor that is contained within their families. So, I mean, ultimately that's what we're dealing with. And when I realized that it it really made me realize that I had to do what I could to educate people on what's going on. Now, when you're working for a corporation and you're an employee, you know, the state makes a lot of money off the corp- off the company. The state makes money off of you, off of taxation. It's a privilege to be an employee and work for a corporation. You know, um, the 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 school system does in, in no way, shape, or form actually the opposite. The school system does not encourage in any way, shape, or form for any student to take what they learn and go and build or add to their family business. We are directed towards certain careers that I would say 99.9% of the time, these careers we cannot pursue within our family because our family does not possess the business to house that 
position that I'm looking to fill with all of this education and all this work I did and all this studying and all these hours that I put into it. All this investment that I put into this education. Not only do I have a thought to apply for our family business, we don't have a family business that can sustain this. And for me, it's a covert way of in my opinion, pulling more energy and more people into the public out of the private. And really, look, most people are never in the private. They're, you know, they never, and that's where it is. And people, oh, you know, the state's destroying families and stuff. And, you know, you'd, like, you'd have to be insidious. You'd have to be evil. To be out here to purposely and deliberately be destroying families. No, that's just a byproduct of this commercial corporate system. The purpose is to control as much labor energy and specialize these individuals, Divide their labor as such to maximize the output product or service to maximize profits for the shareholders and the executives. The byproduct is it's very, very, very detrimental to families and family businesses. Now, you have commercial interference for the state. The state is paperwork, man. It's the state of. It's a state of. You should look in the law dictionary and look up the the law definition of state and read it several times, seven, eight, nine times. Read it. It's paperwork. The birth certificate. It's paperwork. What does it equal? Control and jurisdiction over life and property. Those right there are the crux but in order to understand the crux, you got to understand what I feel. I feel we have to understand what I just said, the big picture, how the division of labor, how, you know, private family business does not benefit public uh, states and corporations. And how anything beneficial to private family business is not beneficial and vice versa with regards to the states and public companies and corporations. You got taxes, use taxes, uh, sales taxes, uh, death taxes, inheritance taxes, probate taxes. There's a lot of this stuff, you know. Why? Because the entity that we are using to interface with the public was created by the state. I don't care what you say. You can capture whatever you... I don't... Man, I'm so tired of hearing people say I'm about to capture... And put it on the private side. Look, fam. It was created. You can never, ever take away the fact that that the that document, that paperwork, is a creature or creation of the state. It says on the top of it. It is a creature of the state, and that creature allows jurisdiction. It allows control, as I said, over life and property. Any property titled, any income 
that it is received with regards to the name on that birth certificate or that ID or driver's license or whatever. It is directly connected and controlled and under the jurisdiction of the state of whatever is on top of that birth certificate. And some of you say, well, so my birth certificate is in Alabama, but I got, I live for the last 20 years in Georgia. Cool. What state does it say on your driver's license? On your state ID? Oh, it says Georgia. There you go. You just, you all you did was tie the, the, the paperwork from Alabama that allows you to use that paperwork to open accounts and, you know, to go and be an employee. You brought it under the jurisdiction of Georgia. You got, you got the driver's license. You got the state ID. You got a, you have an address associated with that paperwork. All of that gives jurisdiction. Anything you, anything, anything, car, house, anything, minutes, for your for your phone, anything of that name. The state has an interest in that property. That's why they can probate your estate after you, after you pass away. That's why you know they can, you you got to apply for bankruptcy, and then they they take it and tell okay you here's this and you got to do that and you got to do this and all that. That's why they appoint a public defender to defend their public entity. And I'm telling you. And then, you know, people say, well, how's how is family law private law? So when 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 the state has blah, blah, why? Because why? It's that paperwork. It's that birth certificate, man. That's public family law, child support, birth certificate, all of that. That name is on this birth certificate as the parent or parent entity. It's ridiculous. Then there are statutes that say, you know, any blah, blah, blah. Hey, man, it's the paperwork. It's the nexus. Well, we were not taught that that paperwork, whether it's a birth certificate, whether it's articles of organization, articles of incorporation, Anything state-derived is inferior to the private way of doing it. The way families used to do it. The way families still do it now, but it's not as, they're not, it's not as predominant. And that's privately, through a contract. Now, people say, well, how, it's a trust, and the state says there's, there's different jurisdiction. Private contract is not governed and cannot be governed by any state law. If it is crafted, executed, and administered properly. Let me say that. And the Constitution protects private contracts. Article 1, Section 10, in part states, no state shall pass any law impairing the obligation of contract. What's your problem? You say it's a trust. That's your problem. It's it only comes under trust law 
on how the income is dispersed and how the income is taxed. What you don't realize is that in every other situation is a contract. So when we say trust, it's like, okay, so they got statutory regulations to trust. And then if you don't produce a contract that claims otherwise, there you go. This isn't taught in public school. Why would it be? This is adverse to the public. It's adverse to states. States have no control of a private contract. If you know that private contracts are recognized to do business in over 120 countries, the United States being one of them, well, the states not only lose control over the entity that you're administering or that you're using to do business through, through your, for your family, but also they, they're going to definitely lose revenue. Period. This is the big picture. This happens every day. You can look up the Hague Convention on Trusts. I suggest you read it. I suggest you read it several times. And you should hear me when I tell you I use private contract to do business on behalf of private entities every single day. And there are people all over this world that use that understand and know exactly what I'm talking about. But have no vested interest in any of you. So, with this knowledge, we establish our private trust estate, our business trust, our asset trust, our family trust, and in most cases, a private family foundation. These are really the only four private entities that your family will ever need. And people like my business trust, my asset trust, no. Because if you do it right, these trusts, regardless if you were involved in its creation or were the one of the were the first trustee are intended to outlast your life they're intended to be vehicles of your family's multi-generational wealth and typically when defining multi-generational wealth you're talking 300 years and more so this business trust, this asset trust, this family trust, these, you should look at them as immortal. Immortal, private entities, private structures, lawful and legal that are recognized in the public, but if administered properly, are not controlled by the public. These entities allow for correct positioning or putting your family and your private wealth in the correct tax position specifically the correct position for investments whether they be brokerage accounts or you're looking at private placement accounts and investments put the correct position for endowments financial endowments 
put your, you know, put the family's name on the wall in a hospital or, or in a university. And through that contract, you negotiate a annual payment to your family estate forever, indefinitely. The correct position. Putting your family estate in the correct banking position. Private family banking. A lot of people say, how you do that? You know, the banks, blah, blah, blah. Look, man, this, all this stuff was set up by people like you and me. But we're dedicated and consistent in their efforts to create these structures. And the procedures by which to expand these structures without them having to be there. This is nothing new. How to use, how to properly use, I would say, something like a life insurance contract to not only aggregate wealth, but to fund the family estate as well. To add wealth to the family estate. It's crazy because if you get the right life insurance contract, there's a death benefit, there's a payout when you die. Everybody dies. And people wonder how the rich keep getting richer, and this is one of those components. You know, they, they have the proper life insurance, they have the proper beneficiary on that life insurance, and when the beneficiary is paid, that death uh, payment, the family gains more wealth. This stuff isn't taught in the public. This is the big picture as far as I'm concerned. Now, private family foundations, I touched on that a little bit. Um, also, is a very important means by which Family wealth is accumulated. These are charitable entities, but the way they're structured privately and the minimal regulation afforded to them due to their tax-exempt status allows them to uh, accumulate and control tremendous, tremendous amounts of wealth for your family and allows for what I consider involuntary taxation to be done away with and voluntary taxation to be um, allowed to take its place. Whereas, you know, you know, if if taxes are being taken from your income with involuntarily, you know, this structure allows those taxes to be heavily reduced, even if you're an employee, because you know, um, if you work a job, you can donate up to thirty percent of your adjust gross income, adjusted gross income to a private charity and receive a charitable deduction on your taxes. But, <clears throat> excuse me, it's a structure that holds and accumulates wealth. Also, you know, it, of course, has charitable natures and participates by offering grants, typically, to individuals and in charities that participate in the charitable activity that the foundation itself 
is positioned in as well. Heavy benefits to this. And as I wrap this episode up, you know, I really want to point out and impress upon everyone that hears this that just because you went to public school doesn't mean you're stupid. Just because you didn't go to college doesn't mean you're stupid. Just because you didn't do well in school doesn't mean you're stupid. The framers of the system, specifically, you know, the, I guess, original titans of industry in the United States created a educational system with one purpose in mind, and that was to feed public companies specialized human labor. And this specialization or in division of labor not only reduces the value and wealth of the private family, but also brings jurisdictional elements of taxation and control of wealth that not only are unnecessary but predatory. And with proper study, and I would say proper mentorship, private principles, as well as structures and the knowledge and know-how of how to properly administer them so they stay out continually of the hands and jurisdiction of any state actors or pirates, let's be honest, can be achieved by you personally if you put your mind to it. If anything that I said struck a nerve with you, if it put a couple of things together, if it connected some dots, if it was inspiring, if it made you mad, you know, I suggest that you reach out to me here at the foundation. You can you can reach me admin at welcome to the foundation.com. That's my email. I suggest that you you know, get your hands on Foundation Trust Primer if this is brand new to you. If someone had you listen to this and this struck a nerve to you and you want to learn more, maybe talk to the person who handed you or showed you this. And, you know, maybe you can take it from there. I'm not the only person, the only one on this earth that knows this information. Um, I just don't know anyone that provides it in the format, conciseness, and abundance as the foundation. And, you know, I would be willing to admit if I, you know, ran across an organization or individual that did, I'm like, well, hey, I gotta let you know they're they doing it harder than the foundation over there. But at this time, I, I haven't seen that. Um, so, you know, I would encourage you, you know, Check out the tr the Trust Primer. Check out the Trust Series. Uh, I would encourage you heavily to sign up for the email list at welcometothefoundation.com. I would encourage you heavily to reach out to me at admin at welcometothefoundation.com. And I would encourage you to get into trustee training. Now, if you go to welcometothefoundation.com, you will see no mention of it. Uh, trustee training, is, it's not something that is like 100% out there and offered to the public. At the very least, you know, we got to correspond through email 
you know, before that offer is extended. But it's also a, you know, it's a commitment. You know, trustee training is every Sunday. You know, we call we call in. You know, I send you a physical manual. We we learn this stuff, and then you know we have milestones. Opening the trust bank account. If you, if you have if you have one, you know, unencumbered, titling the vehicle and the asset trust, doing that. You know, these there's milestones. There's not just here. Here's a packet. Good luck. You get my private mobile number. You can give me a call. Hey man, I'm at the bank. You know, they're saying that, you know, this and that. There's been times where I've told them, hey, hand the phone to the banker. And I've talked to the banker. You know, I think I'm one of the most hands-on mentors when it comes to this private administration. And, you know, there's more than that. It includes, you know, your business trust, asset trust, family trust. You know, if you if, if it's the case, which I recommend, you know, a public-facing structure, an LLC, you know, family business. Where, you know, that we typically, that's where we hire the employees at and not trying to have employees in the private trust. That just invites jurisdiction to the private structure. You know, there's, there's you know, there's, there's uh, fringe benefits from corporations, company cars, company phones. You know, there's, I, you know, hey, so getting that set up, uh, setting up the business credit, all these things are included in the trustee training, you know. So I suggest you reach out, admin at welcome to the foundation.com, you know. Or just talk to the person who showed you this episode. Or, you know, just keep studying. At the very least, just keep studying. Keep studying and reading. And, you know, reading court cases and reading the Federal Register and reading. Just keep reading and read official documents. You know, don't don't read what, you know, Psycho Sovereign 99 wrote and think it's 100 Do your research for yourself. Because ultimately, you have to be able to stand on this. You have to be able to, you know, make make your claim. It's all about claims. It's all about claims in the private. What's the claim? What's your claim? And, you know, what am I? Hey, I'm I'm claiming to be trustee of of this private contractual entity. And, you know, we have... A uh, a contract with this person, and you know, according to the contract, this was supposed to happen, and it didn't happen, so it's a breach of contract. So you know, we we are requesting that the court enforce help, you know, assist in enforcing the contract. The contract says, you know, in case of breach, this happens. We we can show the breach. We substantiate the breach. Here's the breach. And here's a substantiation for the breach. And it's facts, not opinion. And here's what the contract says happens when there's a breach. Now, this party isn't uh, looking to cooperate. And, you know, we're looking to have the force, um, uh, the court enforce this equitable measure that is in this contract to begin with. We don't need you to adjudicate or make any opinions or rulings. We just need enforcement of this contract. And uh, remember, Article 1, Section 10 states in part that no state can pass any law impairing the obligation of contract. There's a contract obligation we're looking to enforce. That was off the top of my head. And I'm not saying, ooh, I'm cool. I'm the smartest ever. No, I'm not. I study. I read a lot, man. I read this stuff so much. Can't lie. Ooh, I'm a savant. It just came to me. I had a... No, I didn't. I read stuff. I fell asleep with documents on my chest. 
and woke up and there was papers all over the place, man. And irritated. I got to sit here and pick these up. I just woke up. Got to go to the bathroom. But, you know, <laughs> that's what it is. I'm serious. So, you know, do your, your own investigations. That's, that's, that's the, I feel like that's, if you don't do anything I suggested, please do that. So, with that being said, that's it, you know. It's the end of the show. I'm really interested to know what you think of this new format. You know, does it seem more personal? Or, you know, do you like the old format? Uh, I assume that the quality of the show, of the, of the audio, is going to improve tremendously with this format. But, as I said, I would like to know what you think. So email me, admin at welcometothefoundation.com and just let me know. Hey, the new format is dope. Hey, new formats, whack, stop it. Go to, go to, go to sleep, so you're tripping. Either way, I really want to know. Also, Passport No Social, part three, live, recording, and interaction with Chris L. That's this Saturday, April 9th at 11, 11 a.m. Central. The sign-up link will be live at welcometothefoundation.com. I'm sorry, we'll be live on the website, welcometothefoundation.com. Should be, I guess, within the hour, so by the time you're checking this out, should be up there. If you have any problem and you want to check out the live recording, email me, admin at welcometothefoundation.com, and I'll get you sorted. Please don't email me after after April 9th. It's like June 26th, and I'm getting emails, yo, I'm trying to get on that live recording this Saturday. No. <laughs> it is April 9th, 2022 at 11, 11 a.m. But, you know, I look forward to seeing you there. And I trust that you gain something. I also trust that you gain something from this episode of The Foundation here on High Frequency Radio Network. You know, I just... I, I put in this work, just, you know, this is for you. It's for y'all, man. I really just, I know what this information did for me and my family. And, you know, I'm I'm just trying to spread the wealth, like literally, literally. And true wealth is, in my opinion, knowledge applied correctly. Correct information, correctly applied. And that's what we're looking to do here at the foundation. So, Make sure you check out WelcomeToTheFoundation.com. Sign up for the email list. Minimal. Minimal. If you check out the show, if you've listened to one show in these five plus years of the foundation, if you've heard me one time in my six plus years being on High Frequency Radio Network, and you haven't signed up for the email list, shame on you. Shame on you. Shame on you. Shame on you. Dishonor. Dishonor, dishonor on your house. Dishonor on your sneakers. Shame on your shoelaces. For real. Straight up. Watch what happens now. Watch your shoelaces. You better go sign up for that email list. But, you know, there's a lot of stuff on the website while I'm over here playing games and, and, and cracking jokes. And I suggest that you check that out. I'm, I'm, I'm always available to email admin at welcometothefoundation.com. But the biggest thing I would say is it's never too late. You're never too old. You're not stupid, and you can do it. It's just 
you weren't shown how. So it's a little difficult to figure out how to do something that you weren't shown how and you never really seen anyone to do. And that's what the foundation is here for. You know? And like I said, admin at welcome to the foundation.com. So with that being said, yo, I really, really, really trust that you gain something, you, you glean something from this episode, or that this episode helps someone that's close to you or someone that you care about, you know, get their hands on what I consider the big picture. Or not, you know, sometimes you can't win them all. But we continue, we persevere, and we continue to apply that correct information correctly. So with that being said, I appreciate y'all. Y'all have a great, great day, great evening, great week, great month, great year. Enjoy yourself. Take care of yourself. As always, make sure you say 10 things that you're thankful for before you go to sleep tonight and every night. It's very important. And I'll catch you next week on the hottest radio network on the planet, High Frequency Radio Network. My name is So L of the Foundation. And as always, it has been a pleasure. Y'all enjoy yourself. Peace. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC.